0: You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. So we're going to be transitioning away from Mark chapter six. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for uh, several weeks now, at least on that portion of Mark six. And I'd like you for you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 14, Matthew chapter number 14. And as you're turning there, when you think of a worrier in the Bible, or do you, who do you think of any worriers in the Bible? Any any people that in the Bible that kind of had maybe anxiety or worry? What's that? Jeremiah. David. Hey, David, for sure. (laughs) Is that Gideon? The disciples? Yeah, there's, there's definitely Elijah. There were some people in Scripture, right? This is not a, this isn't, you know, just a thing that started happening in 2019, you know, with all of the, you know, the stuff that's going on. No, this, uh, th- th- this has been an issue for uh, just literally just thousands of years uh, in, uh, in people's lives. But you know who I think I resonate a lot with sometimes in Scripture? His name is Peter. Peter in Scripture. And Peter, Peter was a worrier. Uh, Peter uh, often would try to, you know, take things into his own hands. He, he worried about drowning when he was walking on water. even though Jesus was right near him. Look at verse number 29 of Matthew 14. And he said, come. And so obviously Jesus was out there walking in the water. And he says, and come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous and was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And so he sees the wind whipping and he sees the waves, and instantly he goes into worry. Instantly he goes into anxiety, begins to sink, uh, of course, and, and we know that. Turn to John 18, John chapter number 18. Peter also worried uh, about what was going to happen to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So what he ends up doing is he ends up pulling out a sword and ends up uh, chopping the ear off of a guy. Notice what it says in John 18, verse number 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Look down at verse number 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And so he's getting a little worried. Something's going to happen to Jesus. He's going to take things into his own power. And he pulls out a sword. Turn back to Matthew 16, please. Jesus had been foretelling to his disciples that he was going to die, that he was uh, going to uh, be crucified and he was worried about that and so peter literally ordered god himself to not go to the cross Look at verse number 22 matthew 16 then then peter took him and began to rebuke him or jesus saying be it far from thee lord this shall not be unto thee and so peter often would you know take some things into his own hands would worry about stuff and uh, take some action things like that, and that Peter, um, even though he was going to have this ongoing trouble with anxiety, he did learn how to deal with it and he passed on a lesson to us. And it's a lesson that shows us the connection between humility and our ability to conquer anxiety. And so we've been talking about anxiety. We've been talking about worry. How, how, how we're going to war, war with that. But you don't know what I'm talking about this morning? Humility. That's kind, of, that's kind of out of out of left field when you think of anxiety. We'll turn to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Again, Peter, I think when you when you look at his life, there was uh, there were some ups and there were some downs. Clearly he uh, would Often try to take things into his own hands, worry about things, even rebuke Jesus and say, You're not going to the cross. I'm not okay with that. That's a circumstance that's not all right. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, colon, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's a familiar verse, right? You know, people will say, Hey, why are you worrying? Why are you so anxious? Man, just cast that care upon the lord and he cares for you but when you when you see that verse in context you see that peter makes this this connection between humility and your anxiety and so when peter is saying here in this text hey i want you to be clothed with humility toward one another what he's saying is he had a he had a specific specific image in mind he used a Greek term that means to tie something on yourself with a knot or to tie yourself or, or with a bow. It, it it came to refer to a work apron, right? If you were going to be doing something that was messy or, you know, something like that, you, you would put something uh, around you. Every once in a while, I have the privilege of barbecuing for people and I'll put an apron on, right? I'll go grab one of those over from the kitchen because i don't want to get the splatter of the cheese and the grease from the burgers and stuff like that on you and so it but, but it came to uh, it, it came to understand that is that a servant would put on an apron over his clothes to keep him clean and so what it, what it became is it became a synonym for humble service when it says be clothed with humility peter had that 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 image in mind, people would have understood. All right, I'm going to put an apron on. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to tie something on. I'm going, to, I'm going to make a knot so that way I can serve. I can, I can do something with that. And so what I want us to do, I want us to spend the next 20 minutes or so. We're probably going to get done early. Amen? And here's the reason why, because Mike's got 10 pages. He's preaching at 11. He's got 10 pages back there. Will and I were talking about that. Normally, I give Nick seven, all right? And I can be long-winded. Mike gave him 10 so I told Mike, I said, "Hey, got to be out of here before one o'clock, okay?" No, I'm teasing. He really does have ten pages back there, but who knows? You know, he's he's much quicker than me, and uh, it, it'll be great. But so I'm gonna be short here this morning. But I want to talk to you about humility. Humility in the middle of a study on anxiety, a study on worry. Let me say first of all, humility is the attitude that you are not too good to serve others. I'm gonna give you multiple angles of what humility is it's an attitude that you're not too good to serve others and you are not too great to stoop you're not too great to stoop now listen it was not considered a virtue in the ancient world humility wasn't and so we've reverted to those times kind of kind of back to 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 that humble people today they're mocked Humble people today are trampled on. The world calls them wimps. It exalts pride. It exalts uh, arrogance. It exalts egos in the world in which we live. You kind of go into maybe the business world and you know you are a very humble type of thing. So it's like, no, no, no. We need someone that, you know, is just Rurr. that's what we need. We need someone that can walk into a room and, you know, just conquer that room with their Their ego and so on and so forth but it was no different in peter's day as it is our day and he called his readers to be different he called them to live with humility listen to what i'm about to say this is going to kind of go in with what mike is going to preach on we don't always have to be speaking we don't always have to be right we don't always have to be the loudest person in the room the dominating one in the room we can sometimes take a back seat. We sometimes can we, we we can humble ourselves and to support his you know his exhortation to these people in his first epistle about being clothing ourselves with humility toward one another. Peter's really he he's citing an Old Testament uh, truth of that God is opposed to the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Look again in our text, verse five. Likewise, ye younger. Submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. So all of us, one to another, we ought to be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud and He giveth grace to the humble. So Solomon said in Proverbs 3, verse 34, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. So if I can kind of put it in today's terms, God's going to resist the proud and He's going to give grace to the humble. That's what Peter said. So Peter is kind of going back to an Old Testament truth that is taught there. And so these verses, they provide some motivation, to be honest with you, to display humility. In simple terms, we will be blessed if we're humble and we'll be chastised if we're not. And so, any one of any one of and one of the blessings of humility, excuse me, is the ability to deal with anxiety. So, on the other hand, pride—it only compounds your problems when you give in to worry. Pride, hear me, pride usurps God's preeminent position leaving you no one to rely on when anxiety creeps in. It's beautiful what Peter's done in this text. It's amazing. You and I cannot rest in the sovereignty of God which we've talked about when we are arrogantly exalting our desires, our opinions, to the same level or above the Lord's. So if we know what's best, if our desires are what's best, and we would not put ourselves in the situations that we are placed in, then guess what? We are usurping ourselves in pride over the Lord. And so when we're going through the, the difficulty, when we're going through the things that will cause the worry, that will cause the anxiety, where are we going to receive our help? Because we've placed ourselves above our very own and so Peter in this text is beautiful. We'll get to the casting our care here in a moment, but, but he ties all this in. It's like, hey, let's start, with, let's start with humility. And so let me say, secondly, humility keeps priorities in proper order. It keeps you from being overwhelmed by your own circumstances. And what it does is instead it focuses your attention on God's plan and purposes in those circumstances. We've talked heavily about that over these weeks. Seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above. We're we're kingdom-minded rather than earthly-minded. We are treasuring. We are putting lasting value. All those things in Matthew 6 that we went through all of those, those several weeks. And so we are humbly coming under God. His purpose. His plan. But if we're sovereign in our life or our own desires, our own plans are king, then guess what? God is gonna, man, he is gonna wreck that all the time. And he's gonna do it on purpose to try to get our attention. And yet we are gonna get angry with God. We're gonna resent God because we are not humble in ourselves. And so we put our priorities over the Lord's. And so we've got to be careful that we. Do not just place our focus on the immediate situation. Instead, look at God's grand plan and purpose with you. Let me say thirdly as we move through this. Again, it's kind of odd to connect humility here with anxiety, but uh, Peter does so. Humility also puts us on God's timetable and not our own. Are you in 1 Peter 5 still? I can't remember if I had you turn away from it. 1 Peter 5, look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in what? In due time. Well, what's the due time? His time. You're right, Lillian, not ours. Well, when 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 will it be? Well, when he's accomplished his purpose. Now listen, that might seem a little vague, but there's no cause for concern because God has perfect timing. Perfect timing. There's no cause for concern because he's caring and his timing is perfect. Even your salvation was was, was was timed right. Paul specified that the hope of our eternal life is in the due time manifested through Jesus Christ. In Titus, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested His Word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. And so God's even, e- even your salvation, sometimes we think, here's how, sometimes we think, if we got saved a little bit older in life, it's like, man, I just wish I got saved when I was a kid. No, in due time, God brought that appointed time. God brought that moment. God brought that person that would that would share the life. He's talking specifically about preaching, it, but it's it's more so, it's bigger than that. It, that, that at the right time you would be exposed to Scripture, you'd be exposed to salvation, being in Christ, and there would be salvation. And sometimes you've heard and you rejected for a while and you heard again and you rejected for a while, but then that time came when I'm not rejecting anymore. I've done my, I've done my introspection. The Word of God is right. I'm a sinner. I need Christ. He's, he died for my sin. And you accept Him as your Savior. Do time. His timing is always perfect trusting in God's timing is no small matter when it comes to the Christian life we can and we should be rest assured that God will exalt us according to his perfect timing but what kind of exaltation should we anticipate oftentimes this verse, verse number, let me make sure I get the right verse, verse number six is pulled totally out of its context and you will hear maybe just that verse preached or taught or referenced and they'll say, hey, humble yourselves before the sight of the Lord and He will exalt you. It's like, yeah, I I like that exaltation stuff. Yeah, I want to walk into the room. Yeah, that's Ryan. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's often what we think of. But what type of exaltation can you and I anticipate in this text well paul used a greek term that speaks of lifting us out of a present trouble for the christian even the worst trial it's only temporary so remember that truth as you begin to be tempted to conclude that 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 there's no end no there is an end now sometimes that end is our first breath in heaven right But there is going to come an end to it at some point. God's promises that He's going to to lift you up. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you. He may bring you out of that trouble in due time. How are we to conduct ourselves until the promised time of deliverance? How are we to conduct ourselves? Humility. Humility. Peter says, stay humble. Don't get angry with God. Don't think that you know more than God. No, no, no. Stay humble. Stay humble. Stay humble. And then he says, cast your care. Cast the things that will, in your life, that if you're not careful, will cause you to want to usurp God. Cast those worries, those anxieties. Cast them on the Lord. Humble selves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, same thought, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. See, a prideful heart can't find rest in God's sovereignty. Because a person, if they value his own plans and their own opinions and their own desires above all else, then there's nowhere to run. When worry begins to creep in. Pride paves the way for an anxious heart. Literally it does. It's just because we know what's best. We, everything that we desire, is it, this is the way it should be. And so when it's not that way, then we get angry, we get anxious, we think this is wrong, and then where, where, where are we going to run? If we believe we know better than God. And so, Paul. Or so Peter, excuse me. Peter says, "Hey, I want you to stay humble, and as you're staying humble, cast your care upon the Lord." So that brings me to my fourth point here: humility requires strong confidence in a caring God. Requires strong confidence in a caring God. I cannot humble myself under God's pressure if I do not think he cares, but I can if I know he does. You can let him bring about the change. Remember a couple weeks ago, the disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they've been rowing for six, seven, eight hours to no avail. Storms, wind, no doubt waves. Jesus sees them. Struggling from a mountainside. He's praying. And he doesn't just turn off the wind. He doesn't just turn off the waves. Instead, he begins to walk, right? He begins to walk on water. And then he interacts with them from the water, from within the waves, from within the wind. He's engaging with them. Why? Because he wasn't so concerned about the weather. He was concerned about them. He wanted to bring about change and so if you and i listen we've got to know that he cares because if we don't think that he cares then we're not going to allow the change that he wants to make within us happen the basis of that trust is the loving care god has repeatedly shown us you cast your anxiety or your word on him or your care When you're able to say, Lord, it's difficult. I'm having trouble handling this trial. But I'm giving you the whole thing because you care for me. The word Peter used in verse number 7 that is translated as casting was used to describe throwing something or like a blanket over an animal. In Luke 19, verse 35, And they brought him to Jesus And they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. That's the idea. That's the word picture there. So you take all of your anxiety. You take all of your, your discontent. You take all of your discouragement. All of your despair. All of your questioning. All of your pain and suffering that you're going through and then you toss it. You literally toss it on the Lord. You trade it in, so to speak, for trusting God, who really does care for you. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and then we're going to be finished. Hannah is a great illustration of someone who did just what Peter is saying cast your care. Just. Just throw it on the Lord. See, Hannah Hannah didn't have any children, which was a significant trial for a Jewish woman in the ancient day. And so the book of 1 Samuel here, it tells us what she did about her problem. Look at verse number 10, 1 Samuel 1. And she was in a bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou wilt indeed look on the the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of my life and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. You ever done that? Right? You're, not, you're not saying it audibly, but you know, your, lips are, your lips are moving, you're praying, and Eli, Eli's looking at him like, yeah, there's something wrong here. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, he, he, he took notice of her mouth, he marked it, he's like, hey, what's going on here? And he said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, no, my lord, I am a woman of the sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. In other words, he's just saying, all right, right, go in peace, and may the Lord grant this. He's not saying that the Lord will grant this. He's saying, hey, go in peace, and may the Lord... May the Lord grant this. Verse number 18. And he said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. What happened to her? Why was she no longer sad? Her circumstances had not changed. She still had no baby. But her circumstances, What what changed was that she cast her care upon the Lord. Now, soon after, God blessed her with a son, Samuel. He grew up to be an amazing man. He also gave her three other sons and two daughters. And Hannah is proof that when you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and you're casting all your care, you're casting all your anxiety, you're casting all of your, your worry and your fret on His loving care, He will exalt you in due time in his time when he knows that it's the perfect time now we might not like to hear this that time might be our first breath in heaven in particular areas but so often it is not that case so often there will be a season in our life when we're going through something and if we will humbly see how the two things are connected we will humbly go through whatever that season and trial is he will then exalt you in due time and when you cast that care upon him it's kind of it's almost like you're just kind of reckless with it it's like i'm done i'm done with this it's all yours god and this woman hannah is amazing who is bitterness in her soul and she's weeping now her countenance is no longer sad why because she said god i'm I'm giving, this, I'm giving this over to you. There's no doubt in my mind that Peter had Psalm 55 maybe on his mind when he wrote his first epistle. It says, Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee." Cast your burden on the Lord and He'll sustain you. Now, that does not mean that we're not going to feel shaky at times. Think of how Hannah might have felt. As she's broken before the Lord, people are... Accusing her, like, "Are you drunk, girl?" I mean, think of how that felt, right? So there's gonna be there's gonna be some of that. You're going to be um, as you're bearing these burdens in and of themselves when they're sometimes too great to bear. You know, people they sometimes treat us insensitively. Sometimes people will heap even more burdens upon you. You know, sometimes we can be so cavalier in the things that we say. We can be so insensitive. Someone can be bearing an amazing burden. And we're just like, eh, come on, come on, just deal with it. And it just brings more burden. It brings. So I, I, I get that. And so sometimes it does, sometimes it is difficult. But cast your burden upon the Lord, as the psalmist said, and He will sustain you. The Lord will sustain you. And so if you, ever need to be, if you ever need to be reminded right now that, that God really does care, you need to remember the Sermon on the Mount. You need to remember the fields that He just just clothes with beauty and then He gets thrown into the fire. Think about the birds that He takes care of. And Jesus, and all of those things, He says, oh, and by the way, aren't you more valuable than all of them? He is your Heavenly Father. So cast it because you're humble enough to know that he cares and that he's sovereign and that he's in control. But if we're exalting ourselves if in our pride and our arrogance, things aren't going the way that we think that we should, we're not going to cast our care upon him. We're not going to cast our anxiety on him. Instead, we're going to we're try to bear it. We're going to we're try to press on. We're going to try to, you know, often what we would do is we're going to cut off an ear. We're going to rebuke the Lord. And they're going to say, no, you're not doing this for me. And yet Peter at the end here, kind of in his epistle, he's like, hey, I wasn't always humble. Humility really does help with the anxiety. And so cast your care. And the way you do that, my friend, is you remain humble in your heart and in your life. Put that apron on, so to speak, and be willing to serve, be willing to be lowly, be willing to stoop down so to speak and uh, I believe then the Lord what he do is he'll exalt you out of that trouble in due time let's pray Lord be